on this episode of Ed Scoop's Cutting Edge Podcast from Scoop News Group, turning pockets of brilliance into overall culture. We would always say that the campus has these pockets of brilliance. We have great customer service approaches on a unit by unit basis, staff that are tremendously engaged, very student focused. But because we're a large enterprise, large institution, those offices aren't always directly connected. This is Ed Scoop's Cutting Edge Podcast. Every other Tuesday, we dive deep with decision makers on what's next in higher education IT and online learning. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening across the community. Educause's Director of Cybersecurity Programming has left his post. Brian Kelly stepped down from the role this month and joined Compass IT Compliance as a virtual CISO. Educause is actively seeking his replacement. Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona says that lists of college rankings are a, quote, joke. Cardona says universities should use their resources to improve student success metrics as opposed to trying to become the best in an arbitrary ranking. The secretary also called on universities to embrace a new vision of college excellence using data analytics. The New York State Division of Consumer Protection is warning college students against the threat of scams from cyber criminals. The division says students are often targets for identity theft or financial loss attacks, and that students should be mindful of what they post on social media and be wary of free software downloads and unsecured Wi-Fi networks. You can find all these stories and more on edscoop.com and in today's show notes. The University of Massachusetts is turning its pandemic learnings into actionable intelligence to cut down on student melt and stop out. Using a dashboard that compiles data from who attended or didn't attend its hybrid new student orientation event, the university has what its CIO, Chris Misro, calls a last chance to get in touch with students who may be struggling or be facing a challenge that prevents them from being successful at a university. Misra tells me how that effort fits into his overarching priority of integrating the IT team in the university's student success efforts. The key focus for us uh, in the past year or so has really been ensuring that IT is a key partner at the table in a lot of the student success initiatives. So we've done a lot of work in deploying Salesforce, especially during the pandemic. Uh, we use their platform to deploy some of our COVID vaccination uh, testing sites, our COVID testing that we done on campus. And one of the manifestations of that was um, as we went into the fall semester, when we realized it was going to be remote, we had to do new students orientation. And so this is back in the summer of 2020. And for the past however many years, it's been an on-site, in-person, everybody comes to campus. And then suddenly, May 2020, it's like, guess what? We're going to make this online. And it's one thing to have content presented via slide deck, but you lose track of just the administration of getting 5,000 students to do anything is complicated. And again, we looked at platforms like Salesforce, in that case, we used it as a CRM to really work on the engagement strategy. So what I'd say that sort of really pivoted for us, mostly pandemic driven, was how deep that customer relation management application stack is to how we engage with our constituency. Our original deployment was focused on graduate students and uh, applicants and potential admits. And as we went into the pandemic, we really had to focus on our extant student body and our emergent student body. And what we've seen is the growth across a number of different areas on campus. But the NSO is sort of a, a, a telling story for me. And it's something that for 20 odd years, everybody drove to campus. The experience was different, but it was effective. And what's nice now is we actually have kept with the online and the hybrid. So back in this summer, 2022, we finally just got through another round of new students orientation and it was entirely hybrid. There was online content, there was on-premise content, but one of the most effective things and the reason I tie it back to student success is last week I get to see a dashboard. It showed who attended, 
who attended in person, who attended when they were scheduled, who came in. And it's allowing us to run a hybrid remote schedule as a last like, hey, we noticed you missed it, which could potentially allow us to address melt issues and retention issues, which is a great approach of using CRM to a student success outcome, not just about selling something. Obviously, the move to hybrid is is so important and is something that's we're seeing in a bunch of universities, I say a bunch, all, all universities uh, across the, the country. But, um, you know, how does the, how does a tool like Salesforce, how does a CRM tool really fulfill some of those needs to make something like that possible? One of the key things for us has been that, um, we would always say that the campus has these pockets of brilliance. We have great customer service approaches on a unit by unit basis, staff that are tremendously engaged, very student focused. But because we're a large enterprise, large institution, those offices aren't always directly connected. And so students can have this experience of they go to one office and they may have a good customer service experience, but if that office can't serve them, they get shuffled to a queue somewhere else and there's no context that comes along and they're in the next line and no one knows what was said at the last conversation. What we're finding with tools like CRM is we're able to bridge that and give students a more holistic experience. And so for us, that drives our strategy in terms of which business units we engage with. One of the things we say from a leadership perspective is the students don't experience us as a series of vice chancellors, as a series of deanships. They don't experience the institution the way we organize ourselves internally. They experience the institution holistically. They come here, they anticipate an education, co-curricular work, feeding, residence. Though we have to organize those experiences somewhat separate, the experience for the student isn't separate. And so a CRM enables us to start looking at how do we track tickets and intake across units when we see that somebody had you know, bumps in the road and this experience, it can potentially carry over. We're just at the beginning of this journey. We're, we're nowhere where I, near where I see us in the long run. Because um, we have a series of separate standalone systems. You know, Advising is not integrated into CRM right now. But our uh, student affairs partners on campus have been really thought leaders and partners with us in engaging that whole student experience. And I think that's something that will continue to drive our strategy over the next couple of years. And that's really been encoded into our IT strategic plan as well. Something I find so interesting and what attracts me so much to covering higher ed IT is that in a lot of ways, your job as a CIO is is different than a lot of other people who have the role CIO across different industries, right? We're talking private sector, we're talking government. Your your role is very different because you you sort of have to be squarely focused on student success, and and that is not a traditional you know IT skill set. Um, and 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 so I'm curious, you know, when we're talking about things like CRM, when we're talking about that student experience, that consistent student experience. Um, you know, how do you approach that as an IT leader? How do you approach that with with your background and with your knowledge of of the IT systems that make all this happen? I'd say I have sort of two answers to that. Um, the first is approaching a lot of the business problems with humility of we have peers in student affairs that understand this. Uh, you know, I was working with some of our peers in student affairs as we were talking about assessment and evaluation of our respective organizations. And for IT, you know, I'll send my chief technology officer in, we'll see what people have for servers and email and networks and say, this is good and this is bad. When I contrast this with our peers in student affairs, they have books of knowledge of how a student affairs organization should be run, what good looks like, what bad looks like. IT, we change too quick and we've not had that same degree of professional discipline. And so it comes back to, for me, with the humility, Student affairs knows how to work with the student experience. When you have effective leadership at the top and at the organization, the director and the staff level, they know what that experience is like. 
our role is coming in as business partners and potentially thought leaders with them talking about once we understand the business, we can work with you to change the business to be either more effective, more holistic, more consistent. But I think one of the mistakes I've seen other IT leaders make is they come in and say, I've got a technology that's going to solve your business problem. Technology has never solved a business problem. Once you know what the business problem is, technology can reduce the friction of it. It can increase the efficiency of it. It can improve the experience of it, but it's not going to solve a problem in and of itself. And I think that's been one of the changes. And I think why higher rate is somewhat unique is by necessity, you have to look across these disparate landscapes, whether it's student success and student affairs or the academic mission of the institution or the research mission of the institution, there's disparate needs. And our role is really to be partners supporting the business and their goals, applying technology in ways that are scalable, sustainable, and well-architected. And that's, I mean, that's not an easy job. You, you made it sound really easy in how you just said that, but it's definitely not like a, a simple a simple process. I mean, how do you... How do you how do you do it? How do you bring people together around uh, the, these business goals and sort of use technology as that enabler to make that happen? So what I'd say was somewhat surprising to me um, over probably the last five years is one of the biggest growth sectors for us has really been in building business analysts, which seems a little counterintuitive, right? I mean, we always need network engineers, we always need database administrators and systems administrators, and everybody needs a project manager, and they're all important cogs in the wheel. But until you have somebody who can understand and translate between what the business is trying to do and how the technology could apply to that, you're sort of throwing technology at business problems. And so that's been a big growth area. And, you know, we have a relatively small but hugely efficient cadre of business analysts on our team. And that's been the focus of the full BA process. Interview the customer, document what you're doing, build user stories, a very ITSM-centric approach to doing it documenting it. And then once you understand the story, going and iterating through an agile process, um, it takes longer, it's harder. Um, I've observed that business analyst skills aren't native to a lot of IT staff. Um, a lot of IT folks don't come into it because they like sitting in big groups of people and talking about what do you want to possibly do. But that's the skill set we need to complement the folks who are really good at the back end system. What we've also found is that business analyst process, by virtue of generating artifacts and documents, starts self-defining the architecture of how we deploy IT systems. And now we can go back and build data flow diagrams, as opposed to after the fact, wondering why like a data extract failed or an API call failed. We can look at what the intentional business flow of, okay, this is a system of record of data. That data flows from this database through a transform here out to this web application. It becomes easier to start assessing the technical interconnects but it was driven off of what is the business problem we we're trying to solve first and foremost. And, and that's an area, like I said, five years ago, I think yeah, we'll have a couple of them. I keep seeing growth in that area. And it may be manifest through the fact that you really need it when you're doing applications deployment. But what we found is even as we start doing classroom AV upgrades, network deployments, we're in the midst of doing a major uh, telephony rollout, deprecating our legacy on-prem PBX uh, with Microsoft Teams. The technology is hard, but the business problems are often the real hard part because that involves individual change, organizational change, and, and that's what we've really been focusing more of our effort on recently. I think yeah, that's so interesting. Um, I want to go back to the point that you made about about student experience, sort of between offices, and and how a, something like a CRM can sort of unite that that process. And the thing that calls out to me is that I feel like pre-COVID, the 
a, a lot of the the buzz in higher ed tech was sort of th- almost like throwing an app at the solution, right? Like throwing a, uh, you know, a digital service, uh, you know, student experience app at the solution, as opposed to a CRM, which I mean, of course, has some public facing components, but is largely a back office function. Um, tell me about sort of that shift in strategy. You sort of touched on it at the beginning, but dive a little bit deeper. Tell me about the shift in strategy to, um, you know, not worrying so much about an app to, to solve the problem, but instead, you know, the, 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 the strategy behind it. Sure. And I'd say there's a couple of different sort of vectors on that line. The first was, you know, we had a number of units that had either small scale CRMs or just customer intake databases. And, Part of it was the business process change of getting them from how they were doing it. And the reason I say that is there was a recognition at the business unit that they had to do something better than either paper intake or pass a message down the line to the next staff member. But they were thinking contextualized to their own unit. And I think that's really where we've grown as an institution is start saying what's in the interest of one directed unit may not be in the interest of the overall institution as a whole, that sometimes we have to zoom back and take a longer view. So, you know, one of the things our chancellor really reinforces with us is take a longer view, look at where the campus is going, how do these pieces interconnect? And in some cases, that's going to mean working with an office director or an office manager and saying things need to be different. Um, We spend a lot of time, you know, playing the, the start with why, right? We'll always go back to the Simon Sinek it really matters because these people are giving a lot of time and effort. But when we're able to start with the why of like, look, we're trying to improve the experience for everyone. And the work that you had done was towards that end, but it was to solve your piece of the pie. The pie is much bigger than that. Can we think about what that is? And that involves starting with why and sometimes iterating back and through like, hey, this is what we can do. And in some cases it's, look, your intake is gonna have to change from on this Excel form over here to this ServiceNow intake form or RFI. Okay, but look, what happens now is when that came through, you know, new students orientation, when the student shows up for res life and they're using the same CRM, they can see that, hey, at NSO, this student had a challenge they couldn't deal with that may be propagating to their res life. If those systems weren't connected, that knowledge would never transfer. But what it involved is a little bit of business change on both new students and res life's part. And that really came to, you know, fortunate leadership um, in the student affairs organization and partnership across campus. And, and that's, I think, the key thing is executives have to work with one another, understand each other's mission and be partners in the change management, not just the technology change management. So I want to kind of wrap it all up with with something that you teased a little bit when you were talking about, you know, sort of being at the beginning of of this journey and sort of tie in what you just talked about there. I mean, you've been at UMass Amherst since 2007, I think, if my LinkedIn is correct. <laughs> my LinkedIn is correct. Since 1996, oh, okay. well, an undergraduate here. So I think at a certain point, LinkedIn past 15 years seems way <laughs> too old. So you, you've been at the, the university for a while. Uh, you've, you've obviously in that time, you've seen a lot of change. You've seen a lot of technological change. You've seen a lot of, you know, the focuses change. And so, you know, you say you're at the beginning of, of that CRM journey. Uh, I, I want to know where, where do you see it going? Where do you see sort of maybe not just the CRM project, but sort of the, the mission of the IT office and what you all are delivering? How do you see that growing and changing into the future? Uh, two answers to that. I'd say the first answer is I see the growth pattern on CRM and tools like that continuing because more and more people experience the campus digitally first and foremost. We've seen this. We have a, you know, a huge initiative right now. We're labeling UMass Flex to really engage hybrid instruction across all of our course content. So we no longer have this artificial, this is an online class and this is an on-premise class. 
that involves interconnected systems to ensure that experience is consistent across the board. That's clearly where the industry is going. That's clearly where higher education is going. And so I see that work effort continuing across disparate units. And so, you know, we're talking about, it's great to hit student affairs, but how do we engage with our bursar's office or our registrar's office, potentially getting into engaging with our advisors so that student experience is consistent. It's about managing the overall life cycle and the relationship with the individual. So you're not a person in a point in time like, yeah, we saw you had this transaction with this office at this time, and that goes into a file cabinet never to be seen. But hey, we saw you had this experience in your first year. And because of that, you know, you're having this experience in your third year. What are their interventions we can look at? So how do we look at that continuity around that? And that's not with the intent of being invasive. It's with the intent of providing the type of service that students are expecting. Uh, we've seen students come in more and more with a higher degree of expectation. And this is, I think, due to CRM deployments in the commercial spaces and the private spaces that they interact with. Um, the other piece around that and back to the sort of hybrid thing, the pandemic proved to us, you know, my going joke with the, the chancellor at the time was like, turns out you can run an entire campus remotely, right? Who knew? Um, that digital footprint, that digital experience is so important to what we do. And even with us coming back to work in whatever form it is, hybrid, days on, with students coming in, that digital presence is really the front door of campus. Like, yes, we need to keep the campus looking nice. We have to plant our flowers and keep the streets clean. But that's only how some of our community is experiencing the campus. The, a large portion of our community is experiencing the campus through the website, through Zoom, through the elegance of our interaction. And so small things that seem deep and technical and bizarre, like us migrating our authentication from legacy on-prem to cloud-based authentication seems very technical and pedantic in back office. But when a student comes in and experiences, they do their login transaction and they can go to all of their applications and it just works. When the two-factor application works on their phone, regardless of whether they're going into Moodle or to Blackboard or to Zoom or to their email, that experience is as important to us as making sure the sidewalks are clean and the tulips are planted and the dining halls look well. That's a big challenge for us. And so I see the work effort on IT continuing to grow and expand, but the form of it changes. It's not how technically elegant is it. It's how does it fit with the user experience? How does it become an extension of how the campus presents itself? Because that's the experience many people are going to have us of us first and foremost. Yeah, that's great. I, th I think that's I think that's all I have for you uh, for the interview. I mean, anything else that you want to touch on that you're excited about that we didn't that we didn't get to? Uh, the only other thing I'll say that's sort of taking a lot of my time right now um, in a good way is outside of the sort of CRM and student experiences, we're seeing such a growth in um, more and more disciplines engaging in high performance computing for whatever that means for them. I've been so pleased to see that expand beyond just the core disciplines of physics and engineering and mathematics. We have great relationships right now with partners in art history, in fine arts, in sociology, in our public health and health sciences. One of the things that excites me is seeing the democratizing of technologies, where technology that was applicable to only a niche of our population suddenly becomes more broadly available. And so we've done a lot of work on our Unity cluster, where we're able to offer a broader access, the barrier to entry to HPC used to be, this is well and good if you know how to manage a Linux command line and you know how to run Linux command line tools. By us deploying Jupyter Notebooks, we reduce that down to a graphical interface. With us looking at application stacks like Open On Demand, we can now reduce it down to an application-like experience with the power of HPC behind it. That eliminates barriers. 
that's one of the things that's really exciting me and something we're spending more and more time on. And I'm really looking forward to making progress. Great partnership with our faculty, um, another area to grow the organization, and honestly, a discipline that's terribly, terribly under-resourced with talent right now. And so we're really working even in student pipelines on that as well. But that's really exciting me and taking up a lot of my time these days. Chris Misra, Chief Information Officer of the University of Massachusetts Amherst. You can read more about him and student success at edscoop.com and in the show notes for this episode. The Cutting Edge Podcast is available at cuttingedgepodcast.com and everywhere that you get your podcasts. This show is a product of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher help make it happen, and the entire team contributes. Until next week, I'm Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.